Here we go, all right. Hey, uh, I, um, thanks for having me today. It's, um, it's really good to be here. And Mike and I, as Mike said, we've been uh, friends for a while, and I've been following a bit of the journey uh, of, uh, of this community, and I, I, I just want to say I'm just so encouraged to see uh, the way that God has been building this church and building this community, and, and I know that um, it's not easy being part and stepping out on things like this, and so I just want to say that the group of people that are in here, uh, you guys are like awesome pioneers. Uh, you're like uh, people who are what I call group of adventurers, uh, who are people who are faithful, people who have accepted the call of God to be part of making disciples, are going to make disciples and to be part of planting churches that plant churches. And I know it's not easy work. Uh, as Mike said, uh, one of the things that uh, as a church that we've been part of this year is uh, we've been part of a revitalization of a church down in Broadview. So we're actually on mission together. Uh, here and at, at, at a broad view because this area around here and in the 5k kind of radius into the city is an area that desperately needs to know the love of God. It's a community uh, that is a growing area. You know, you probably know all of this. So I'm not going to be sharing anything new uh, with you, but within the city in the next, you know, next five to ten years, there's estimated to be about another 20 more thousand people that are going to be moving into this area. You only have to walk and go down uh, Churchill Road or Prospect Road and you see all the different apartments that are coming up and happening. This is an area area that I believe is an area that God is going to continue to expand and continue to grow. And so I want you to know that um, from Ross Trevor to Encounter, uh, we're cheering you guys on and uh, hoping that you can be everything that God calls you to be and a whole lot more. And uh, so I want to encourage you to be a community that continues to believe. Uh, a, con- a community that continues to build faith. I was speaking at another church today and I was asked, what would, um, what would a 30-year-old Dan, um, 30-something-year-old Dan, uh, tell um, a 20-something-year-old Dan? I had to think about that uh, for a while and I said, um, I think I'd like to tell a younger Dan uh, that God is more wonderful and more surprising um, than what you could ever imagine. That God is more gracious, God is more kind, God is, uh, has more for you uh, than what you'll ever know or dream of. That's, that's who God is. And so I want to encourage you guys as a, as a community to be one uh, that believes God for more. Uh, that believes God for, for more for yourself and for your life and for the purpose that you have and what God has called on you, but also for this community, for our city and for our nation. And so I just really, really want to encourage you to do that because one thing that I've learned over my, my years of life is that um, you know, trouble comes and worries kind of you know, happen and life happens, but uh, God, God is more wonderful. And God is more beautiful and more gracious and loving and more forgiving and more merciful and more everything than what you'll ever know. And so I want to really just encourage you with that. Um, I like Mike a lot. Uh, he's, he's got a good footy team that he goes for, better than mine. I'm a Carlton supporter. And Mike goes for the Kangaroos. And so uh, Carlton just like to handball their uh, reject players to the Kangaroos, but that's fine. Uh, they're, doing, they're doing well. Uh, but one of the other things I really like about Mike... Uh, is that uh, he's a man of conviction. And if you've known Mike, you'll, you'll, you'll know that he, he very much believes and trusts in God and believes God's uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for the best for the community and for the world around him. But he's also uh, has strong convictions. And that's one thing that I, I really just love about you. And so I always find that you know, it's important to have leaders who, are, uh, who have that sense of strong conviction, but also just who are real and authentic. And that's what uh, Mike is, I just want to say. It's great. Uh, not only having you as a friend but also with the military ministries and uh, different ways that we have connected over the years has been has been awesome 
Well, tonight I wanted to come, and what do you say? Do you say tonight or this afternoon? Is it, is it tonight? I've heard tonight, Matt said tonight, and, and a few others. I wasn't sure, I just want to get the lingo kind of right, so I'm not, um, so I'm not uh, uh, losing you guys. Uh, what I wanted to do tonight, though, is this afternoon, I'll, just, I'll say both, that way it looks after everybody, <laughs> and I don't get in trouble. Uh, at the end. Now, you're kind of going through a series at least over the next um, little while around uh, gospel, uh, looking at the gospel and so um, the gospel story. And uh, I wanted to kind of look at one area uh, from the teaching of, um, of Jesus that actually helps to uh, us to think through how can we actually live the gospel well and how does that apply to our lives. And if there's one thing that I know about, uh, about you, and I know this about you because I know it about myself, is that a worry is a key part of what we often do. It's common to us all. Uh, we all we all worry. Uh, um, you've probably seen, you've probably heard the you know the words don't don't worry, but be happy, or don't worry, uh, every little thing's going to be you know all right. So you got the and I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that you know don't worry, everything's going to be right, or don't worry, be happy. I don't know about you, but I always get this sense that. To, to turn around to the person and to say, you have no idea what is actually going on in my world. Do you ever feel this? Did you feel this? That this it can kind of just be used in that bit of a just kind of throwaway, trite kind of way. And I feel that you, like saying, have you not like looked on your Instagram pages? Have you not looked on your Facebook feed and just seen the stuff that is happening around our world? You have no idea about some of the things that are actually happening in, in my world. How could you simply just say that everything is going to be all right? Don't worry. Be happy. It sounds wonderful, but it's, it doesn't always sound, sound right, does it? It sounds wonderful, but it doesn't sound right. And so I'm pretty sure there's one thing that, you know, I, I think, and I hope this is true for you, that you would prefer to be people who live happy rather than live worried. Uh, it's certainly what I want. I'd prefer to, uh, to live happy rather than to live a worried um, life, but not but living a life free of worry doesn't seem easy, and it certainly seems like it's something that feels so unrealistic. So right now, just where, where you are, what are some of the things that you're worried about? I don't want you to you know, put up your hand and shout this out, but just what are the things that you're, you're worried about? Maybe you're worried about your cash flow. You're wondering how you're going to pay your next bills. Maybe you're wondering about your rent, how you're going to cover your rent. Maybe you're worried about your uni degree. Am I going to finish? Am I going to get into the job that I'm actually looking for? Maybe there's parents that you know who are unwell or friends you know who are unwell. Maybe there's things that are happening in, in your friend's life or in your life that is really challenging and you're worried about them. Maybe you're worried about whether or not you'll survive an organisational restructure. Like, what are the things that are worried about? You see, many of us worried that we'll never get married, and then when people get married, we worry that we, if we're going to be able to hold the marriage together. And then we um, worry about having kids, and then when we have kids, we worry about what school they're going to go to. We worry about how they're going to be able to, you know, if we're going to their health, we worry about their food, we worry about all of these, their grades. Then we worry about their choice of marriage partner, and the whole cycle of marriage, just be and the worry about marriage, just begins to go on and on again. And here's the thing that I've noticed when it comes to worry, the things that you worry about and the things that I worry about, is that sometimes... And this is hard for us to hear, for, um, for some of us, but sometimes uh, we seem to have more faith and confidence in worry than what we do in our Heavenly Father. We sometimes seem to worry, uh, think that our worrying more is actually going to solve our problems of worry. 
So the more that we worry, we think the more that worry is going to solve the problems. And perhaps you've said something like this before, if I don't worry, then who will? This is something that we all wrestle with. It's something we all live with. And some of us are so hooked on worry that if we're not worried about something, then we're worried that we're not worried about something. It just becomes this cycle. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm not just speaking to to myself here, but this is something that we all kind of wrestle with. And so how do we tend to solve our worry problems? Well, we tend to solve our worry problems by willpower. I think we tend to say, well, I'm just not going to worry. And we just say, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, don't worry, don't worry. And all of a sudden, when we start saying that, what happens is the don't disappears and we just start saying worry, 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 worry. And so here's one thing that I've discovered and I've learned is you can't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. You just can't do it. It just doesn't work. But the question then remains, if worry is something that's common to us all, if you can't stop worrying by stop worrying, if some of us are so hooked on worry, how do we actually move through worry? How do we actually find a way through? Is there an alternative way? Does Jesus actually invite us into something good? And here's what I believe. I believe that it is possible that we can actually live with the uncertainties of tomorrow and not worry today. We can live with the uncertainties of tomorrow and not worry today. And I believe there's good news, and that's what I want to open up to us uh, today. However, just before I jump to this, I want to just say, uh, I want to just say something, um, because I don't want any of you, as we jump through this passage today, I don't want any of you to think that Dan is just trying to oversimplify worry. Okay, I don't want uh, you to think that that's what Dan is uh, doing, and I don't want you to uh, think that Dan is trying to oversimplify particularly uh, panic, anxiety, and depression. Because panic, anxiety, and depression, they're kind of like the, the cousins of worry, okay? And these are real, and they're serious, and they're complex conditions. There are spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, chemical, and circumstantial factors that can cause any of us to fall into the grip of anxiety and depression. So when we open up this today, uh, I'm not, this is not just kind of some kind of, um, hey, you know, we worry, just kind of shake it off and get back on the bike, it's all going to be fine. I don't want to have that kind of attitude uh, to this, because stats from Beyond Blue say that in any one year, two million Aussies, adults, will live with and are managing anxiety and depression. Um, About 45% of the population, nearly half the population, will at some point in time live with or manage um, a serious mental health uh, concern. So this is a very live issue for us today. And every person's battle with anxiety, depression, panic, or any other mood disorder or something like that, is complex and unique. And so there isn't a kind of one-size-fits-all approach to this. And here's the thing, that for some people, and uh, if you don't wrestle with a mental health concern in some way, you, you might not understand this, but for some, for some people and for people who do, as much as they would like to not fear, as much as they would like to not worry, as much as I'd like to not be anxious, as much as I'd like to not uh, feel down, their brain will just not allow them to release the anxious thoughts and feelings. And this makes living life every day really tough and really challenging. Uh, Some are able to manage the symptoms through helpful support, professional advice, nutrition, healthy lifestyle, um, through prescription medication. But sometimes there are medical conditions um, such as thyroid problems, blood sugar problems, gut health problems, hormones and chemical imbalances, even genetics, to just name a few that can contribute to things like anxiety. Others manage with meditation, community, faith and prayer. 
And so if you're here today, and this has been part of your story, and you've tried to retrain your brain to not be anxious through kind of repeating scripture, through prayer, through, you know, all of those, you know, through faith, and, and, and anxiety is not getting any better, uh, then continue to do those things, because those things are important. But also, it may be necessary to actually seek professional support and help too. Because the reality is this, that a doctor's care is also a spiritual solution. A doctor's care is also a spiritual solution. So if you are here today, and this is something that you are, are living with and you're managing, this is, I, 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 like I said, I really don't want you to think that Dan's just trying to shoot over this and just make this idea of worry just really simplistic. I want you to know um, that it is something, and I know this will be the heart of Mike and, and Jen and this whole community, is this in some, is it something to be afraid of, it's not something to be ashamed of. And I actually believe you're here and you're here in the right place because here's the deal. As big as anxiety and depression and all of this is, God is actually bigger. And in no way do they diminish the promises of God for your life and that you can actually live free from the, the, the grip of anxiety and depression. Now, just as a disclaimer, just to be clear, I am not a medical doctor, okay? And in fact, I'm not even a biblical doctor, okay? So I have a, I have a, a degree and a Bachelor of Ministries, major in biblical studies, but that is all. There is no dr dot next to my name in any capacity so just to make that clear um and so i don't want to try even as a even as a doctor of you know uh, of, of of theology or anything like that I, I wouldn't want to even try to put across any sense of mumbo jumbo when it comes to you know this kind of um this kind of air in the paralyzing effects of panic anxiety and depression but as a pastor as someone who's a heart for people as someone who has been at least trained in some way to open the bible and to teach it that's what i want to do tonight and i hope that as we go through tonight and we actually look at this that the holy spirit is actually going to help us to learn how to combat worry and how to actually live with the uncertainties of tomorrow and not worry about them today. All right, so I just wanted to share that today because I know this can be a, a challenging uh, kind of place for, for many. So if you do have your Bibles, uh, Matthew 6 is where we're going to land ourselves. Matthew 6, 25 through to 34. And uh, so we find ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount and here Jesus is teaching us about gospel living. Okay, so gospel living, what it looks like, and he invites us to live free from worry, even if we don't live free from the uncertainties of tomorrow. And I do believe and, and hope that God is going to um, unpack this, these, some of these truths to us, and we're going to leave from here different and changed, and that uh, there's going to be hope that's going to come to many of us today. And so that's what I'm, I'm really hoping. So if you have your Bibles, we're not going to read the whole way. Uh, we are going to read the whole passage. I'm not going to read it all in one go. I'm just going to kind of read verse by verse. We're going to move our way through. So if you have your if you have your Bibles there, verses 25 of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is how Jesus opens. Do not worry about your life. Now, when I first read that, I thought, wow, Jesus, surely you can be a little bit more specific. This just kind of seems very general, and, and you know, your whole life, like, that's, that, that's big, you know, kind of like, what are you actually talking about? Well, the good thing is that Jesus does go on, and he kind of unpacks three things that were common worries for those in the day. And he goes on in verse, uh, in, the, in the rest of that verse, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So he says, what you will eat and drink, about your body. And what will you wear? Now, this is three of the big things that his listeners of the day were actually worried about. But you can actually insert, you know, into the blank here, um, fill in the blank. What are you worried about? 
What are the things that are actually on your heart? So Jesus says to us, do not worry about today. Do not worry about this. Is it about keeping your job? Is it about what grades your kids will get? Do not worry whether you'll have enough to even retire on. Do not worry whether or not you will get married. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Now, let's be honest. This seems pretty harsh from Jesus. Do not worry about your life. It's like, Jesus, do you not actually understand what is going on in my world? Do you not actually, you know, aren't these things important? Isn't like going to college and uni and getting a degree important? Isn't having kids? Isn't having healthy kids, you know, important? Isn't it's great to have a house? Isn't all these sort of things? Aren't they actually important? It can actually make Jesus sound pretty insensitive and pretty uncompassionate. It can also make him sound a bit out of touch with reality. But Jesus is not saying that all of these things aren't important. He's not saying they're not important. Rather, he's actually saying that all of these things are important and with all of them, there is actually uncertainty attached to all of them. There is uncertainty attached to all of these areas and in some of these areas in your life, they will work out good for you. In some of the areas, they may not. But do not worry about your life. Do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. And why? The good news is he goes on to tell us why. Because at this point in time, we can sit there and go, well, okay, that's great. You know, you've told me this, but what's next? Well, he luckily goes on and he explains why. With this amazing line, he says this, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What is Jesus doing here? He is right-sizing our worry. He's right-sizing our worry and right-sizing our God. He's saying this, that there is more to your life than the things that you worry about. There is more to your life than the things that you're worried about right now. Because you see, here's the problem. When worry comes into our world, what happens is worry kind of comes up front and center and God kind of gets smaller and goes more into the distance. And the things that we worry about become so consuming for us that we think that that is all there actually is in life. And so Jesus is saying, hey, is not life more than food? Is not life more than the clothes you wear? In other words, is not life more than the things that you are worried about? Jesus is saying this to you and I. He's saying, come on, take a step back. Take a step back. Get some perspective. Have a look at all of this. Have a look. Step back. Is not life more than the things you're worried about? You see, if Jesus was here today... He might ask us a question and say, um, is, is, is life you know, more than your uni grades? And, well, yeah. Yes, Jesus, I guess you're right because there's friendships, there's, um, there's marriage, there's all, sorts of other, there's all sorts of other things. I might even change my degree after four years anyway. So, yeah, you're right. It's probably more than that. Is life more than retirement? Well, yeah, you're right, Jesus. Life is more than retirement because that's only like the last you know, quarter, not even a third of your life, but there's a whole lot beforehand. So yeah, life is more than retirement. Is life not more than is, is life more than marriage? Yeah, Jesus, you're right. You know, you you, you yourself, you weren't married, so there, there's probably a point to say that life is actually worth more than marriage. See, this is what Jesus is wanting to do. He's wanting us to know that it is um, that He is more than worry. And that there's more to your life than the things that you worry about. And then he goes on. Have a look at this. I love this. In verses, um, in verse uh, 
26, he begins his first illustration. He gives two illustrations throughout this passage, and he says this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus is saying, remember, he's sitting on a mountain, and he's looking up, and he says, Look at the birds. You know, I just love this. This is Jesus' picture. He says, Look at the birds in the air. You know, some of us are running around so ragged and so busy, and we haven't got time to look at the birds. And here's Jesus saying, look at the birds. Yeah. They, look, they look like they're going pretty well. They've, they've got food. You know, things are, th- things are going okay for them. They don't have jobs. They don't have secure stocks or have a retirement like well, we do. Yet most of them are doing pretty well. They look pretty peaceful. Have you ever seen a bird in the sky? You know, and it, it, often it's just sitting and it's just kind of really enjoying it. They look peaceful most of the time. And why? This is Jesus' answer. He's saying, why? Why? Because God feeds them. Because God provides for them. Because God cares for them. And God looks after them. Jesus is not saying here, be irresponsible and lazy. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, this is a great verse, Dan, look at this. Um, It just says, you know, look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. This is like a license for laziness. This is awesome. This is not what Jesus is saying. Because birds work hard, don't they? They they look for their food, they find their food, they build nests, they do all of that. So Jesus is not saying that at all. Rather, what he's saying is that we shouldn't worry about our lives. Because if God takes care of the birds, as insignificant as they are, and you and I are created in the image of God, how much more will he not look after us? How much more will he not care for us? How much more will he not provide and take care of us? And so Jesus says, are you not much more valuable than the birds? This is a beautiful statement. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture. If God can take care of the birds, then how much more will our needs receive the attention of God? You see, here's one of the reasons why I think we worry. This kind of taps into it. One of the reasons why we worry is because we don't actually believe that we are valuable to God or that God actually has our back. That's one of the reasons why we, we feel that we, and we worry, because we don't believe how valuable we are to God and that God's got our back. And here's Jesus coming and saying, hey, guys, get this. You are, you are, you are valuable. You are, you are so valuable. I look after the birds in the air, and they are insignificant compared to who I created, who I fashioned and formed in my image. Then Jesus goes on and he asks a rather obvious question here, doesn't he? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other words, what good is worry? Where does worry get you? Can your worry today, let me ask you this question, can your worry today bring you uncertainty about issues tomorrow? Can your worry today bring you uncertainty, uh, bring you uh, certainty to your tomorrow? And the answer, Mike, is of course it can't. You see, here's the deal. Worry, here's the deal. Worry can't solve our past, worry can't change tomorrow or our future, all that worry can do is steal our joy today. That is all that worry can actually do for us. And Jesus goes on, this is his second illustration uh, in verses 28. So first of all, he's talked about the birds in the sky and their food, okay? Now he goes, he goes low, he looks around, he looks at the mountain fields and he kind of goes... And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that no one, even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look how beautiful the flowers in the fields are. Have a look at them. Even the, they're more beautiful than even the best dressed person in the land. And, and you've got to know this about them. They didn't get this beautiful by you know, spending a whole lot of time in the mirror. They didn't even go looking at Country Road to get their clothing and all of that. They didn't do any of that. Yet God looks after them. And that is where they are. And they're the most beautiful thing that you've actually seen. But here's the thing. Jesus now goes to the very heart of worry, just at the end of this verse. Have a look at this. He says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Again, similar to the birds, he's saying these, the flowers are in a way are insignificant. If God clothes them and that when they're here one day and God the next and God the next, will he not much more clothe you, you, of little faith. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? If God's got the birds in the air, if God's got the flowers on the fields, and you are created in his image and much more valuable, then can you not trust him with the things that you're worried about? This is what Jesus is saying. Can you not trust him with the things that you are worried about? And here, Jesus hits the kind of nail on the head. This is, this is really getting the reason behind worry. This is a question behind worry, and the question always behind worry is this, is can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? When you are worried, the question that you're asking yourself, and that I'm asking myself is this, do I truly believe that God has my best interests in heart with this? Do I truly believe that God can be trusted with the things that I'm worried about? That's what's behind worry. Behind worry is this question, can God be trusted? Do I trust him to work in and through my life and the circumstances I am facing to do what's best for me? That is the question. I love what Tim Keller says about worry. Have a look, it should be on the screen behind me. Worry is believing that God will not get it right. That's what worry is. Worry is believing that God will not get it right. And here's what I've come to discover as well, is that our worry often has less to do with the situation and more to do with our need to control it. You see, that's the other thing that's behind worry. First of all, behind worry is can God be trusted? The second thing behind worry is our need to control it. You see, what do we do when we can't control things? We worry about it. We can't control the economy, so we worry about it. We can't control our kids, so we worry about it. We can't, you know, control our work environment, so we worry about it. And what lies behind our need to control is our pride. You see, me is at the centre of a controlling life. We see that at play when we say things like, I can, I can do it myself, I've got this, I've got this sorted, I can control it, I'm fine, I don't need help, I will take care of it myself. But I know firsthand this, that if, if you find yourself um, trying to control the world or the people around you, then you are going to spend a lot of your nights staring at the ceiling. It's just what, it's what happens, you spend time worrying. And you know this because you've done this too. We've all done this. This is something that is common to us all. But Jesus invites us into a better way. He says that you can actually live with the uncertainties of tomorrow and not worry today. And here's why. And here's how. He goes on and he says it in verses 31. So he says, so do not worry. 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Now, the, the pagans here, uh, it's a word that uh, um, it describes people who, who don't know and understand God as Heavenly Father, uh, who don't know the ways of God and don't know the wisdom um, of God. So for the pagans, they run after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Pagans, you see, they don't know that they have a father that cares. They don't know that they have a father that loves them. They don't know that they have a father who fashioned and formed them. And so Jesus is reminding us that those of us who have faith in our heavenly father, that we aren't to worry or we aren't to freak out, that's what the people who don't think that there's a loving heavenly father do and worry about. That's what they do. But that's not us. That shouldn't be us. We should be different. Why? Because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows what we need. And this changes everything about worry. Because one of the reasons we worry so much is because we forget or we don't truly believe that God knows what we need. That's one of the reasons why we worry, because we forget or either don't know or believe that God truly knows what we need. So let me just remind us, just really briefly, who this God is that we are talking about who knows what we need. He isn't a God who is far off in the distance. He isn't a forgetful God. He's not a tyrant God. He's not a boring God. He's the very creator of humanity, the one who created you and I. He's the one who formed us. Who should know us more than the one who formed us? Who would know us more and what we need than the one who lovingly created us, not to be a slave, but to be someone who could enjoy participation in his life, who could enjoy life with him? There is no one who is more qualified to know us than our Heavenly Father. There is no one. He's the one who knows us. This is an amazing thought, really, when we get our head around it, that here is uh, the creator of the universe, and he knows you and I. This is phenomenal. This is, this, this is incredible. And this is the key. Because if we really knew that God knew, this would change everything about our worry. You see, what if tonight you go home and you're sitting in your lounge or you're in bed and there's something that you're worrying about and in a kind of a, a non-kind of creepy and freaky way, you actually hear the voice of God and it whispers to you and he simply says, I know, I know. Wouldn't that change everything about worry? That would change everything for me to, oh, to really know, wow, God knows. And this is what Jesus is saying. This is why this is so key. He wants you to know that he knows what you need. And I think that for most of us, this would actually erase much of the emotion and our feelings of worry would actually decrease. And it highlights for us that the power of worry is undermined or removed when we truly know that God knows what we need. Now, just in case you aren't convinced by Jesus' stories of the birds um, in the air or the flowers in the sky, I reckon if Jesus was here today, the illustration or the picture that he would use is the cross. He would, he would say, hey, you know, let me point you towards the cross. Because it's at the cross where we see that Jesus truly knows what we need. He knows that we needed forgiveness. He knows that we needed a saviour. 
He knows that, we, that we, we needed to be freed from the ways that we have kicked this world in a direction other than the way that he had intended it. He knows that. And the cross is the place where your heavenly Father proved once and for all that you are valuable and that he will provide what you need and that you are loved unconditionally. That is found. That's the picture. That's the picture. The answer is found in the cross. The cross is the place where he demonstrated that he is able to take any situation, death, any situation, and bring through it what is good for us and that will bring glory to his name. The cross tells us that God is big enough for our worries. The cross tells us that God cares. And so after showing us how much God cares and God knows, Jesus now gives us something that we can do. So up until now in the passage, he hasn't told us what we can do about worry. He's just reminded us about who he is, that he's a loving father. He's a loving and, and father, and he values us. But now Jesus starts to give us something to do in order so that we can start worrying. And that's found in verse 33. Have a look. But he says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. This is the answer to worry. This is the antidote to worry. This is the remedy to worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, I want you to put my agenda first. Put my agenda first and yours second. Jesus says, if you want to live free from worry, then you need to redirect your attention onto me and to seek me first. It's not that you're not important, but it's that his kingdom is of first importance. And then he goes on and basically says, and don't worry, don't have fear that you're going to miss out. Don't have FOMO. He goes on and he says, therefore, do not worry, for all of these things, sorry, will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you're going to miss out on. How much do we often worry about the things we're going to miss out on? Jesus says, don't worry about that. Why? Because if you seek God's kingdom first, you'll find all your everyday human needs will be met and given to you anyway. And so to say all this another way, Jesus says the way to quit worrying is to quit worrying about your kingdom and start looking after his. Yes, come on. That's the answer. This is what Jesus is saying. It's clear. The remedy to worry is to worry about God's kingdom first. Yes. That's the remedy to worry, to worry about God's kingdom first. Jesus is laying down an invitation for all of us today to surrender our entire life to him. Earlier on today, uh, Mike, tonight, earlier on this afternoon, Mike spoke um, about pursuit. This is, what, this is all, what pursuit's all about. Seek first. It's, pers it's pursuing his kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God. So just really quickly as we finish up, uh, four things I wanted to show you and share with you of how you can actually seek God's kingdom first. Number one, uh, meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's. Begin your day reminding yourself that God knows and cares. Because here's the thing. If you don't actually get in front of worry, worry will actually get in front of you. So start your day well. Start your day meditating on the Word of God. Uh, Rick Warren says this. Uh, when you think about a problem over and over in your mind, that's called worry. Uh, when you think about God's Word over and over in your mind, that's meditation, not mediation. Uh, if you know how to worry... 
you already know how to meditate. So here's the rule. Uh, second one is to pray, sorry. Uh, number So first of all, meditate. Second, pray. And here's a simple rule, and I was, I was taught this years and years ago, I couldn't even tell you where from or who from, but if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. Look what Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, don't fret or worry, instead of worrying, pray. This is, this is, not, this is not like rocket science here. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God, um, letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, a sense of God's shalom and his, his peace. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What's one worry for you this week that rather than worrying about it, you can actually pray about? Because here's the simple truth, but it's life-changing, and that is the more that you pray and worship, the less you'll actually panic and worry. And that's number three, choose worship over worry. That's why when you come to gatherings like this, this is so important. Because we actually spend time right-sizing God. That's what worship does. Worship is a right-sizing of God. And as we do that, as we put God into perspective, it's any wonder why these things and these worries are displaced. Because we're seeking first the kingdom of God. So worship, put it on in your house or your car and worship your way through worry. That's another way. And number four, it's this. I love this one. Participate. Andy Stanley says this. When you are worried about tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. When you're worried about tomorrow, rather than doing that, start to look around and say, where's God at work today? What's God doing in this person's life? Do you know it's amazing when you actually look beyond yourself and actually look at someone else and you start to actually help and participate? care for, love, support, serve someone else, what that does to your own worry. So when you're worried about tomorrow, start to look for something that you can participate and do today. You worry less about yourself when you are doing something for someone else. I want to come and I want to pray. I want to pray today because there's probably people here who uh, there, are some, there are some significant worries in your life. And like I said, I don't want to downplay any of this. But today we've unpacked some teaching of Jesus, which I think is, is some wonderful teaching for us to understand worry. And I want to pray right now that the Spirit of God would remind us again of His love, that the Spirit of God would remind us again of His goodness, of His care for us. And that we would, that we would then be people who seek Him first, who pursue Him with everything that we have. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are the creator of all things, that you're the one who fashioned and formed this earth. You're the one who fashioned and formed the birds in the sky. You're the one who fashioned and formed the, the flowers of the fields, and you didn't just let them kind of go and they're just kind of spinning out of control, but you are still looking after them today. And Lord, the birds in the air and the flowers of the fields, they're kind of here one day and gone the next. And you still care for them. You still value them. How much more valuable are we? The ones who were created and fashioned and formed 
in your image. In your image, you've created us. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today that you would remind us again, remind us afresh, or maybe even for some of us the first time, that you can be trusted, that you are in control, and that we can give our lives to you and that you have our best interests in heart. Lord, right at the deepest place of people's worry now, would you bring your peace? At the place of deepest worry for people now, would you, would you bring us a sense of your, your spirit breathing life and love, reminding people of who you are? Help people right now, Lord, as we pray, to get a bigger perspective of who you are. And Lord, remind us of the cross, the place where you showed your greatest love and the place that you showed that you know us the most, that you would give us what we need, salvation and freedom, restoration and reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. Lord, you are more beautiful, more wonderful, more gracious, more surprising, more caring, more knowing than we could ever imagine. Would you remind us afresh right now again that you know us, that you know what you need, that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of God, continue to come and move among us and work in and through us, we pray. We ask this all in Jesus' name.